Hello, this is Steve Bailey, welcoming you to Episode 8 of Laughing Gas, a Charlie Chaplin podcast. Now, I'd like to begin this particular podcast with a shout-out to one of my listeners. The other day, I received the following message on Facebook. Dear Steve, my name is Sem, and I hope I pronounced that right, S-E-M, and I am 11 years old. I live in the Netherlands. I love silent films, and I am a big fan of Charlie Chaplin and Laurel and Hardy. I love listening to your podcasts. Well done, sir. Have a nice day. Kind regards, Sem. Now, my first thought upon reading this was, what's with this poor kid in the Netherlands? He's so starved for entertainment, he has to listen to some middle-aged man blather on about Charlie Chaplin. But seriously, I am very, very, very flattered to have received this message. I don't do this for any monetary uh, compensation. I can't because I use copyrighted music, so I'm not in it for the money. Uh, and that is why I always say that I adore feedback. It's always great to know that somebody is out there listening to me. Uh, I don't expect to get an astronomical audience from this. I just want to sort of have a one-way conversation. And if you make it, you know, if you email me or write me a message like that, that makes it a two-way conversation. That makes it all the more fun. So thank you, Sam, for listening and for writing. I hope that I am uh, worthy of the subject matter that I'm covering. And I hope you will continue listening. And for crying out loud, tell everybody in the Netherlands. I can use all the audience I can get. So as usual, my modus operandi is to do two of Chaplin's Keaton shorts in chronological order, because that's where I am in his chronology right now, followed by one of his more famous feature films. So let us begin this episode with the 1914 short, 20 Minutes of Love. This is the first Keystone short for which Chaplin received a writing directing credit. But the only major stylistic difference is at the beginning, where Charlie comes upon several romantic, romantic couples in various stages of passion, and he mimics them, at one point embracing a tree. The pantomime is probably the highlight of the film. After that, it's back to Keystone High Kicking. A woman in one of the couples asks her beau for a token of his love. He doesn't have one handy, so he tells the woman to wait a moment, at which point he snatches a pocket watch from a man sleeping on a park bench. Charlie happens to see this, and in a grand bit of payback, he steals the watch from the thief. As if that wasn't enough debris, Charlie then tries to sell the watch back to its original owner. And the movie ends with a big chase in which Charlie knocks several people, innocent or otherwise, into the park's pond. And what possessed Chaplin to give the title 20 Minutes of Love to a one-reeler, anyway? This movie was followed in chronological order by <clears throat> Caught in a Cabaret. Uh, in this movie, Charlie plays Chaplin plays a not-so-great cabaret waiter. During his break, uh, Charlie fights off a man who is bothering a woman, played by Mabel Norman, 
and she gratefully gratefully invites Charlie to her home, where he announces himself as a Greek ambassador. And Charlie's business card helpfully explains, O.T. Axel, ambassador to Greece. By the way, I've always wondered, this posing as a count-slash-ambassador-slash-officer routine got heavy mileage in silent comedies. See also Chaplin's mutual short, The Count. The closest thing I've ever seen to it in modern movies is The Count in the Coen Brothers' 2003 movie, Intolerable Cruelty. One wonders how often this, this ruse was used in real life, and if anyone outside of silent movies was ever fooled by it. Anyway, Mabel's parents are impressed enough by the discount Count to invite him to Mabel's garden party. Meanwhile, Mabel's jealous lover, played by Harry McCoy, follows Charlie back to work to discover his true origins. After Chaplin, Charlie becomes the hit of the party before returning to work, the lover casually suggests to the other party guests that they go slumming at a local cabaret. Charlie briefly tries to keep the count roost, but it's all over once Mabel beats him unconscious. As always, Chaplin's sheer force of personality puts the silly farce element across, at least until the ending. We know perfectly well what's going to happen. Couldn't Chaplin have pulled just one more trick out of his sleeve? Maybe him crossing paths with a real count who helps him complete the ruse just to relieve the final, the finality, you know, final, final, oh gosh, just to relieve the finale, excuse me, of its predictability. Uh, you can tell I'm recording this live. Okay, that takes care of his keystone error from the moment. Now I'd like to cover uh, Chaplin's first talky feature film, The Great Dictator. Now then, uh, as Chaplin's first all-talking movie, The Great Dictator is not a perfect film. There are dead spots here and there, and it wavers nervously between political farce and humanistic melodrama. Yet, I think it is as compelling as anything in the Chaplin canon. For one thing, you couldn't find a movie that is more of its time. Chaplin's uncanny resemblance to Hitler, they were also born within a week of each other, inevitably dictated, sorry, that Chaplin would have to take on the monster of his era. Chaplin later said that had he known of the horrors of the actual concentration camps, portrayed fairly benignly here, he could never have made this movie. Yet one should be grateful he took on its subject matter at all, as history tells us how pacifist much of Hollywood and America was willing to be at the time. The story concerns Chaplin's version of Hitler, Der Fui Adenoid Hinkle, and his country of Chamania, which he hopes to ruthlessly expand to include the entire globe. Lest there be any doubt about this goal, there is the movie's famous wordless scene in which Hinkle makes love to his intended by uh, dancing and playing with an inflated globe of the earth. Chaplin also plays Hinkle's inadvertent double, an innocent Jewish barber who comes upon Hinkle's Tamania after years in a psychiatric ward following World War I. The barber returns to his modest Jewish community and his business, thinking that everything is back to normal only to be thrust into the center of anything but normal. Chaplin's burlesque of Hitler can be described only as spot-on. Even the gibberish is perfect. As for the age-old question of whether the barber character is an extension of Chaplin's tramp, all you can do is look at the derby, derby hat, toothbrush mustache, and waddle walk and think to yourself, he sure ain't Monsieur Verdue. The movie begins a bit clumsily, as it's pretty obvious that Chaplin is trying to do some silent movie comedy at sound speed. 
But soon enough, the movie gets in sync and provides many memorable set pieces. The globe dance, the barber shaving a customer in time to the radio music, the coins in the pudding, etc. And this movie should stand as the final word to any critic who says the chaplain never let another actor be his equal or upstage him. To a man, we'll discuss the woman in a moment, Chaplin, the director, gets wonderful performances of varying kinds from his peers. Reginald Gardner is rather touching as Schultz, the Tomanian officer who grants the barber some slack due to their shared past. Comic veteran Billy Gilbert is adorable as Hinkle's flunky hearing, forever sputtering and hoping for a ray of Hinkle's approval. Henry Danielle is just fascinating as Hinkle's advisor, Garbage, bringing more to his role than seems asked of him. You get the feeling Garbage could have been a powerful, a power monger to overtake Hinkle if Chaplin had let him. The most sober, without being maudlin, of the downtrodden Jews is the cynical Jekyll, understatedly played by Maurice Moscovich. And let us give a manic salute to Jack Oakey for his Mussolini takeoff of Napoloni. Chaplin gives Oakey generous leeway to show Napoloni's passive-aggressive superiority to the neurotic Hinkle, and Oakey makes the moment of every moment he's on screen. Then there is the famous finale, where the barber is mistaken for Hinkle and is called upon to address the world just before Hinkle's forces are set to take over a nearby country of refuge. Chaplin famously dropped the mask here and delivered a heartfelt six-minute speech devoted to humanity. The speech has been mostly a sore spot, even among Chaplin buffs, since the movie was first released. And I have to say it, the speech works for me. Of course, the speech is very out of character. It's doubtful that the simplistic barber could conjure up such verbosity on the spot. That leaves Chaplin the celebrity addressing us, and many people have said he should have shut up then and there. But whenever I watch and hear that final speech, I think about 1940 and how much different, and presumably nicer, the world would have been if the real Hitler had found it in himself to say something like that. And aren't movies just wish fulfillment anyway? On those terms, I can accept the speech quite handily. Now, if the speech is missing anything, it's that comic punctuation Chaplin used to include, a gag that would snap the pathos and keep it from getting too icky, as in City Lights, where the tramp lingers on the side of the blind girl and she unknowingly throws water in his face. Maybe the speech could have been leavened by a cutaway or two to Hinkle having been forced into taking the barber's place at the insane asylum, sitting bound up in a straitjacket and going into hysterics as he listens to the barber giving his power away. With all that said, what I find much harder to ignore or accept about the movie is Paulette Goddard as Hannah, the simple, modest, cleaning woman of the Jewish ghetto. Hannah is a poorly written character to start with. She's little more than Chaplin's love letter to Goddard, who was Mrs. Chaplin at the time. And Goddard herself does not add much to the role. Hannah is forever giving rah-rah, let's beat those nasty stormtroopers speeches to the point of tedium. One such speech occurs when Hinkle, in an effort to finagle a loan from a Jewish businessman, decides to temporarily quit persecuting the, the ghetto's Jews. When the stormtroopers unexpectedly treat Hannah and the barber politely, Hannah looks straight into the camera and expostulates about the world's goodness in a way to make you turn away in embarrassment. Complaints aside, the great dictator remains compelling and often hilarious Chaplin viewing. It was his biggest moneymaker to date so there must have been at least a few other people who agreed with Chaplin's sentiments in that closing speech. That's it for this podcast, except for me to do my usual blatant personal plugs. If you'd like to find me on Facebook, I have a Facebook page titled Another Charlie Chaplin Facebook Page. Please 
uh, feel free to join that. If you'd like to email me, as I said at the beginning, I love feedback. So if you have anything positive, negative, or neutral to say about this podcast, feel free to email me at laughinggaspodcast at outlook.com. Lastly, let me plug a couple of other podcasts that I've done. Uh, I have one that I have completed on the films of Laurel and Hardy. That can be found online at anchor.fm. The title of it is Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. And I am in the midst of doing a podcast on the early Fleischer Brothers black and white Popeye cartoons. And that podcast can also be found at anchor.fm. And it is titled Blow Me Down, a Fleischer Popeye podcast. So I hope you will pursue all these venues and uh, listen to me blather on further about some of my favorite movies. By the way, this podcast, this Chaplin podcast is now available on iTunes. If you are listening to it via iTunes, thank you. And I ask that you please leave a written review and or a star rating. It really helps. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I hope you'll hit the subscribe button and continue to listen. We have many more episodes to come. So thank you for attending this podcast episode. Till next time, this is Steve Bailey saying goodbye and wishing you well.